Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. Guys, welcome to Construct Your Life. Austin Linney here. And guys, I'm a little, this is, I'm so excited about this. We have Gino Barbaro from Jake and Gino on here today to talk about life, investing, so many stuff. If you don't know who he is, he's going to tell you a little, a little bit about who he is. But, but I'm just honored to have you on and, and thank you so much for coming on, sir. Austin, thank you for having me on. And, you know, to construct your life, I think the first question we all need to ask ourselves is, are you building your dream or are you building somebody else's dream? So let's start off with that question. Let that question marinate for, for a few seconds. And for me, I wish I had asked myself that question 15, 20 years ago. I didn't. I did what everyone else did. I had a pretty good job. I had a pretty comfortable lifestyle. I had a lot of kids. That probably separates me from the vast majority of Americans. But still, it was comfortable. Until the Great Recession comes, right? Everyone's freaking out about this pandemic. We really forget about what happened back in 08. And for me, that was the uh, eye-opening experience. I, was th I think I was living my dad's dream because I owned the restaurant. I bought a restaurant back in 1994 with my family. I operated it for, you know, I, I got out of it myself personally in 2016. We just sold it about three or four months ago. But for me, I loved the first 10 or 15 years because I felt like I was an entrepreneur. I sadly mistaken that I wasn't. I had a great paying job for the first 10 or 15 years. I had a great business, great product, but I was a slave to it, right? You know, my lifestyle was not affording my business. My business was actually paying for my lifestyle, which I didn't want at the time, right? Because I was working weekends. I was working Saturdays and Sundays. I was working holidays, Christmas Eve, Easter. And after a while, it takes a toll on you. But I was brought up with that immigrant mentality that, you know what, you just got to work hard. And that's the way life is. And that's what I did for 15 years. I had an amazing wife. I've got six kids. She never said to me, you know what, you can't work this holiday. She just knew that I had to pay the bills. She was financially free when we got married. So she, she didn't have to worry about that. I had to worry about that. But for me, I had those limiting beliefs of this is what I need to do. And this is what I like. And I love the real estate. I love, I'm sorry, I love the restaurant until the 2008 comes. And then all of a sudden, you've got delivery services. You've got the internet. You've got Instagram. And all of a sudden, everything starts taking over. And as a small business owner, you have to challenge yourself and say, what's going on? And this is another massive shift right now. And you know, with technology, with the internet, and online right now, I homeschool my kids. So everyone's freaking out about homeschooling their kids and it's a wholly different lifestyle. It's not easy, but it's simple to do it. And I think if people out there say to themselves, I need to invest a couple hours a day, every day into my family. And if you can do it, promise me, I mean, I, I'll promise you for the last 20 years that we've been homeschooling our kids. We love it. It's just a way to connect with your family. And it's a way to actually introduce subjects to them and, and really focus on what their, what their experiences are. Cause school right now, there's a lack of education in school and it's not the teacher's fault. It's not anybody else's fault. It's the system itself. It's built upon, let me teach only to intelligence quotient. There's no social intelligence there. There's no athletic. There's no any other, other than just reading, writing, arithmetic. We've changed the subject. So I, Allison, I can go on and continue on about that, but I just want everyone to know that I've been where everyone else has been listening to on this podcast. You're on this podcast just like 
the reason why me and Austin are doing it because we want to make ourselves better. We want to improve our lives. That's what we're here for, to improve our lives and to take a look at a couple of guys who have been there, have been through the, through the trudges. And there's a couple of things that Austin and I have done differently that you know, we'd like to share with you. For me, life coaching was, was one of the biggest shifts for me. I, I got into life coaching and I was like, holy crap, what's my clarity? I mean, I had no clarity. I was going around anywhere. I wasn't focusing on anything. And then when I finally said to myself, well, my clarity is I love my family. Let me see if I can start a business with my, with my immediate family, my wife, and my kids. I started with Gino's family. I started shooting coach, cooking videos. I started going down to the garden and growing. I wrote a cookbook. I started selling physical products. I love that business. I just didn't know how to monetize it because I wasn't a business person. I didn't have any coaching on that. I met Jake back in 2011 while I was on that journey. And Jake's like, hey, let's do real estate. I'm like, dude, let's go. He moves down to Knoxville, Tennessee in 2011, takes us 18 months to find our first deal. And in this process, I hadn't dabbled in real estate. I, I had a fourplex. I had a couple of bad deals that went my way. I did go get coaching though. Everyone out there, education times action equals results. You need to go out and educate yourself on what you're doing. That learning curve will be dramatically cut. And when opportunity appears, like Jake, in my instance, he goes down to Knoxville, Tennessee, where there's a bunch of deals down there. I'm like, Jake, I know you don't know what you're doing. I mean, he's not listening right now. I taught him everything he knows, everybody. But other than that, he goes down there and I can coach him. I, I can mentor him. And we takes us 18 months because we don't know what we're doing. We had no credibility, but we figured it out. And three months after that first deal, we got our second deal. So the bottom line to that is, I think for me, it's all about the clarity. It's all about what I wanted in life. And it's, it's so ironic that this podcast is called Construct Your Life because it really is. You can take action to construct your life. We think that things, things are happening to us. Well, the pandemic is happening. What are you doing right now? Hmm. Are you working on personal development? Are you constructing your day? I know it's hard out to everybody. Listen, I'm sick of this talking about masks. I'm sick of talking about death rates. I can shut that off throughout the day, work on myself. Then at nighttime, sit down with my wife, watch the news a little bit, but don't let it consume my day. It's all about taking those positive steps. And how do you do that? You need to focus. And also, the other thing I like to say is, Find a partner. Find an accountability person that you can get on with. Like right now, I consider this a mastermind. Me and Austin mm -hmm. are just talking about real estate and just sharing our journey. And we're, we're, we're expressing our ideas. And all of a sudden, at the end of this call, I'm going to feel energized. I'm going to want to work for the rest of the day. Sure. That's what it's all about, whether you're joining a mastermind, a coaching community, uh, you know, whether you're partnering with somebody, all that energy you need to, you know, to feel yourself, to power yourself throughout the day, because it is going to be tough. You're going to hear a lot of negative stuff. And we are all geared towards listening to that negative stuff, right? But it's when you have partners and when you have clarity and when you have a mission and you have purpose and when you have core values, all these things that are built up over time and experience, they're not going to affect you as much. I mean, like, you know what? It's been a crappy day. Let's lock and load for tomorrow. No, and you're 100%. There's a right. lot of stuff there. I know. No, that. It's, it's amazing. I throw, it's, it's, I throw a lot of stuff at you. So. No, no, no. It was all good. I, true story. A lot of my mentors are in GoBundance, which you're a part of. My guys are doubling down on family and doubling down on mm -hmm. personal development and doubling down on learning new skills. And what they're doing is when we get out of this, whenever it is, their foundation for their, the life of how it's going to work mm -hmm. is going to be so much stronger, right? And that's what we're talking about here. And mm -hmm. Jamie Gruber made a great point to me when we were talking the other day. Everything that's happening right now in real estate or just in the world was going to happen in 10 years. COVID just mm -hmm. brought it to today. And mm -hmm. what people mm -hmm. are realizing yep. is maybe you don't need nine hours to work every day. Maybe you can double mm -hmm. down, focus, spend that time with your family because 
what you're doing is you're choosing your own happiness. And then so what you're doing is when you do show up to work or in your environment, you'll be that much better for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I agree a hundred percent. For sure. So when you started out, <laughs> I love it. You're like, Jake, just go down there. We're going to figure it out. And, and what, what I think is not talked about enough because you don't know this about me, but it took seven years and nine bad deals to buy my first property. Uh, I had two deals fall mm-hmm. apart the day before closing, and then I bought three houses in nine months. And so what's not talked about enough is mm-hmm. momentum and just taking action. So when you bought that first mm-hmm. deal, did you just kind of figure it out as y'all were going along and, and the momentum kind of caught up to your to the movement? Well, what was really cool for me was I had made a couple of big mistakes. I had done a mobile home park, you know, the first deal about five or six years before I met Jake. I lost a lot of money. How much? I lost $172,000 because I had a crap. I had a crappy partner, but you know what it was? That was the best money that I ever lost in my entire life because that made me realize I need to get education. I need to focus on a specific niche. It wasn't the mobile home park deal. That's a good deal. It was myself ultimately taking responsibility as an entrepreneur, as an adult. And there's not enough responsibility taking in this world right now because we're blaming cultures. We're blaming colors. We're blaming whatever it is. We are all here right now. We can blame whatever we want to blame. It's not going to help the solution. And when we become responsible for our own actions back in 08, I read the book secrets of the millionaire mind by T Harv Eker. I actually had him on the podcast a couple of years ago. You should check him out on our podcast. Amazing podcast. I was awestruck because I'm listening to this guy back in 08 and he's saying, your fruits are your roots. You have a financial thermostat, blah, blah, going on. I'm like, tell this guy, this guy doesn't know me. I was getting pissed off. And ultimately his message is one of responsibility. If, if you want the results that you're getting, you're not getting those results because of what you're doing. And that really resonated with me. And that really stuck to the core with me. And I said, you know what? I need to listen to this guy instead of really getting pissed off. So when I met Jake, I had already gone through those coaching programs. I had already gone through the underwriting and market selection and all that. When I met the first deal with Jake, it really was, it wasn't about the money. I had partnered with my brother. It was a 25 unit deal. It was a $600,000 purchase. We got owner financing. So I knew a little about, about owner financing also. So I used a lot of the tools in the toolbox. That first deal was a mom and pop. I think everybody out there should find out what a mom and pop is. It's just basically a motivated seller. You're not going to make money in real estate or in any venture in life unless there's a little motivation by the seller. Couple that with your ability to negotiate and negotiate whether you're an entrepreneur. It's always about listening to the other side. We call it the spy technique, S-P-Y. The seller, number one, the property, number two, and you, number three. Let me go through those really quick. When you're looking at a deal, you always want to talk to the seller. Hey, Austin, I see you've got this property. Why are you selling? Tell me what, what's going on with the property. What is your motivation? What are you going to do with the money, Austin? You need to go fact find and find out how you can solve Austin's problem. What we typically do is we don't care about Austin. We care about ourselves. And we think, what's the best price we can get it for? You know, sometimes Austin just wants to sell his property because he's got a headache and he's got to move out of state. He's not worried about getting, getting the highest price. So that, that's, that's what people are always concerned with in real estate. All they think about is themselves. For this first deal, we had two owners. They were burned out. They were old. They had weekly renters. They were had health conditions. They just wanted out of this property. They had owned it for a while. And we, on our first deal, bought it for $600,000. We probably could have negotiated a better price, but we were just ecstatic. We were thrilled. We finally found something that worked. But the great thing about it was it had the owner financing, so we gave up a little bit on the price. We probably could have gotten some more repair credits on your first one. 
Don't worry about making mistakes on the first one. It's just all about executing and figuring out the framework. And if we had had a Jake and Gino community, it would have been a lot easier because we created the buy right, the manage right, and the finance right, our three-step proprietary framework from that first deal and from that second deal and from our subsequent deals. We didn't have any of that framework. We were just going by, by the seat of our pants. But we realized once you do your first deal, document everything and figure out what you did right, what you did wrong, and then approach the second deal just like the first with more, you know, with more, I guess, information. And the other thing is, as you have your second deal, you're going to have more of a team. We only had a real estate broker on our first deal. We barely got an inspector in. We found the title company. On the second deal, you're going to have all those team members. They're going to help you out. And maybe they'll bring you a deal. They've seen that you're a closer, that you've got the credibility. All of a sudden, the broker on the first deal brought us the second deal three months later. Helped us with the negotiation. Helped us with the market selection. Helped us with the rent comps and, and all that other information. And he was able to introduce us to a good title company. We got a CPA through him. So really is all about that motivation and momentum. Like you'd mentioned, Austin, looking for that deal, getting the deal and having the clarity and just focusing on the business plan. We were just looking at B and C properties. We were looking to find value add properties. We're looking to add value and ultimately buying them ourselves without syndicating. We're buying them ourselves with partners. And then with the ability 18 months to 24 months down the road to refinance that, that money out and go look for the next deal. So much there. It's amazing. One of the things that I love about y'all, and this is, I think this is one of the hardest things in real estate, especially in large assets. I find y'all to mm-hmm. be patient and, and y'all do not step out just to buy units because we're Jake and Gino. And I think mm-hmm. that discipline is, is amazing because you're making a choice that this is where we're going to live and we're not being forced by outside influences. Mm-hmm. I can speak about that. I could dedicate the entire podcast to that because it's really important. First thing I want everyone to write down, no deal is better than a bad deal. Just mm-hmm. always write that down and keep that on the top of mind. And how do I know? I made a $172,000 mistake. Now, I look back at that. It wasn't a mistake. Thank God I did it because I did, doubled down on my education. But it's really important. The second thing is you know, ego and blind spots. Ray Dalio talks about that. You really have to extract your ego out of every situation. And when you're looking at a deal or you're looking at anything in life, I want you to analyze it analytically. I want you to analyze it emotionally. And I want you to analyze it logically. And if you lead with emotions, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. And that's what's going on in the country right now. You see emotions are flying. No one's really using logic. We're supposed to flatten a curve, right? We flatten a curve. Now, that was the whole thing. Now, deaths are going down. Now, the emotions are a lot of people are getting it. But let's look at that. Are a lot of people getting it? Are hospitals really being overcrowded? That's what we were trying to stop. So in in the business world, if you get your emotions and you fall in love with the property, I say fall in love with the numbers. You have to fall in love with the numbers and that makes sense. And then once you fall in love with that, you obviously need your emotions in play to get really excited about the deal, but don't lead with that. Use those three on there. And for me, uh, the most important thing that I've learned is don't scale up and don't build a business and try to scale up unless you have a reason to. I mean, a lot of people are comfortable with 100 units and they see their friends, they have thousands of units on Instagram. Don't worry about them. Worry about yourself. Do you. If you're comfortable with 100 units and you're making 100 bucks a month per door and you're bringing in $10,000 a month in net cash flow and you feel really comfortable, great. 
I know at one point, most entrepreneurs are going to get bored with that and they're going to want to grow. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just assess what's going on in your life and see if you want to. I had the same thing with Jake at about 650 units. We're like, you know what? We're stuck. What should we do? At that inflection point, all of a sudden we had to hire a regional manager on to alleviate some of the work that Jake had to do. He was still property managing it, but you have to start growing and taking those incremental steps. That's what life is all about, taking those incremental steps. And just one more quote. I mean, I think everyone needs to write this quote down because it's truly important. Revenue is vanity. Profit margin is sanity. And cash is king. Just think about that. Just because you're grossing $3 million, if you've got no profit margin and you've got no cash flow, what's the sense of being in business? Unless you have a vision of being Amazon and taking over the world and needing to plow in all that money. And Austin, you said something very important before. We didn't have the shiny object syndrome. We were all in on multifamily. Now, we've created additional businesses, whether it's a syndication company, whether it's the education company, whether it's the mortgage company that we're doing mortgages, but they're all complementary to our multifamily. We haven't deviated from that. So many, so many different ways of uh, taking advantage of multifamily. And it's amazing because we're teaching the education students, hey, we have a syndication company. We've got a deal. Would you like to invest in the deal? And it just, it's such a beautiful symbiotic relationship that everyone on the line, think about that. Whatever business you're in, if you're fixing and flipping homes, you can do the same thing. You can create education. Mm-hmm. You can start doing a private, private money on the deal. You can start fixing and flipping. You can create a CapEx company, you can do syndications, whatever that may be, you can do the same thing in any business. And I had started doing that with the restaurant business where I had the little brick and mortar. It was great, but then it wasn't great. But then for my mindset, I'm like, you know what? If I create a brand around, we can all become brands. I wrote a cookbook and then I started creating physical products and then I started the education company and then we started catering. We started doing weddings. We're thinking about getting into a food truck. That is how the new entrepreneur is going to survive today because they can't have just one stream of revenue. These complementary streams of revenue are really important. And when I started back in real estate back in 13, we bought our first deal. I had three streams of revenue. I had my restaurant job. I had a fourplex and I had a small little note. Now today I've got 25 streams of revenue that with all the properties, with the Jake and Gino, with the capital company. So it's not, it's not, you know, when you look back at it, everyone says diversify, diversify, diversify. You can diversify within your niche and still go deep in that niche and look at trying to expose it. Now, Austin, the thing is you can't do it all by yourself. I've got Jake and Gino. I do the education day-to-day. Jake does property management day-to-day, and we overlap. You know, he couldn't be on this call today because he's doing something with captive insurance. We're starting to create rental insurance for our company, so he's doing that. So we split the roles and responsibilities. He likes to say divide and conquer. And then from the syndication company, we've hired on other people to help us out with that. So the pie can be infinite. You can only do so much by yourself, but as you start growing whether you collaborate with people or whether you have partnerships with people, that's going to help you ultimately grow and, and grow those streams of revenue. No, two points to that. My favorite person in business is Marcus Limonis. And what we sh- scream all the time is vertical integration oh, yeah. is, is to run everything through mm-hmm. systems in your business. And that's what we're creating now. It yeah. wasn't until it wasn't until, cause I was the lone wolf forever, like screw everybody. It wasn't until I doubled down on my strengths, which, uh-huh. took, which took me to lose a lot of money <laughs> when I lied to myself. It mm-hmm. wasn't until I surrounded myself with complimentary parts that I literally do not do a single thing that doesn't suit my personality and it makes it feel effortless. And that's what he's talking about, guys, is surrounding mm-hmm. your team. Because when you get out of the business of what it can do for you, this is one of the things that I make very point on my podcast. 
Tyler Chester, one of my good friends in Louisville, there's a lot of people that are in deals, right? Oh, I've got a thousand units. Do you really have a thousand units or do you have like a percentage of a percentage? He actually Mm -hmm. owns 50 units by himself. So I guarantee you his net, Mm -hmm. his net cash flow is way better than what you're getting. And so don't look at everybody's story or their, what they're, Mm -hmm. what they're throwing up on the wall. Cause I did this. We grew to 27 Mm -hmm. Airbnbs in seven States in six months. It's a great feat. Oh my God. Amazing. And then, and then we woke up and had no money. (laughs) And so, you know, that's what happens Mm. is it's what I do now is I don't put too much focus on it and I let the business drive the scale. So let the business drive the scale. Don't do Mm -hmm. it the other way around just because you want to. Right. And I think that's super important for people. And and, and what I like about y'all is and what I find so humbling is the amount of, and talk about this, the amount of detail slash just straight compassion and nice. It's really hard to put into words how great it is. If you haven't been to one of their events, guys, it's second none. Where does that come from? Is that come from you, you and Jake, or is that always been how you lived? I mean, you're a very nice guy, but I mean, you know, you always lead with education. Where did that stem from? from your father or like just that overall family feel? It's a, it's a good, it's a great question. I, I'm not sure where it stemmed from. All I know is that when you start a business, Austin, I think everybody listening, they need to write down what their core values are, or they need at least decide upon what their core values are. For us, it took us a while. We had been doing it, I guess, subconsciously, but when you write them down and you live by them, you're going to hire by them and you're going to fire by them. The biggest mistake when I had the restaurant years ago is you attract not what you want, but what you are. I wasn't a great owner. I wasn't a great uh, you know, employer. I wasn't attracting the right employees and I was blaming them. I wasn't blaming myself. I didn't have core values like people first, you know, growth mindset, extreme ownership, make it happen unwavering ethics. Those are our five core values that we live by. And as a leader, I have to exemplify them. So I'm packing books and you know what? Josh sees me packing books and guess what? Josh is going to pack books also because it's just make it happen. We have to make it happen. We're a small entrepreneurial company. We're, we're bootstrapping it. So I think everyone needs really needs to have their core values laid out. And, and for me, it's amazing. I love getting emails from students when they close deals or when they quit their job. So for me, it's a dopamine effect. So I like to help people out. And I've learned as an entrepreneur, and this is really counterintuitive, once you become financially free and you don't need to do something and you're out there helping people and you help more people and you help more people, you'll make more money. And you're not even looking to make money because you're pretty much satisfied with all your bills. And that's a strange thing about life. Poor people are constantly thinking about money. They're always worrying about their bills. I don't wake up in the morning going, wow, can I, make, can I pay the mortgage today? Or can I go out and buy it? I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I'm worrying about this morning, I created a house hacking video for my youth academy. That was it. Am I going to make money from that? Not today, but in a couple of months, I will because it'll be in the academy. So it's always thinking about creating value and helping others. The more people you help, the more money you're going to make. And that's a really hard concept for a W-2 employee to, to, to really grasp. Or myself, when I was in the restaurant, because I only had one location, I can only help X amount of people. But as you start growing and you start scaling a business, you're trying to help as many people as possible. And there's a lot of joy in that. I mean, you know, Tony Robbins talks about the six human needs. Number five and number six are the, you know, the, 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 
the high ones. It's growth and contribution. If you can continue to grow in life, that's why someone sells their business for $100 million, then they're bored and they start doing drugs. They're just, they're just not growing anymore. They're dying. So you need to continue to grow. You have to have that growth mindset. Like in Carol Dweck's book, she has a book called Mindset. I think everyone should read that book. It's either you have a fixed mindset where you're just fixed, you don't want to continue to grow, you blame other people, or you have that growth mindset where, you know what, I'm continuing to grow, I'm continuing to learn, what can I add in my life? And as you get older, you'll start adopting these, these principles and you'll start continuing to grow. And number six is contribution. If you can contribute to other people's lives and other people's successes and be part of their journey, you're not only affecting them, you're affecting their families and, and everyone around them. It's a great feeling and ultimately you will be paid for it. So I'm not out there looking to get paid to put people together. Those events that we have, they are expensive and they're hard. And, you know, I've got to fly up to Knoxville. I've got to fly to Atlanta. They're on the weekends. But I get so much joy from them because I meet all the community members. I meet all the students. We network. We're teaching them life skills. It's a lot of fun because you're around people and you're around like-minded people, people who want to improve their lives. We're there to improve people's lives and, and let teach them some skills that they're not learning in school or they're not learning as being a W-2 employee because multifamily is all about building a business. So that's what I find. I mean, I think you just grow into that person. Once, you, once you're not so precious, I'm paying the bills and you can focus on helping others. I mean, it's a completely different, completely different world. I couldn't agree more. And we don't need to go into my life because the podcast knows it. But the last 90 days, I basically put my life in an incinerator and blew it up uh, every which way uh, at 38 years old and have changed everything. But I am the happiest I've ever been. And what people don't understand is if I can mm -hmm. be happy now, Imagine how happy I'm going to be later down the road. And what that started with was mm -hmm. pure, deep self-reflection on who I was as a person, which wasn't a bad guy, but just needed to be better, right? And so talk mm -hmm. about the steps that it takes. If, if we have, my audience is a little younger, newer. If, if you're starting out, right, and you've no, you, you don't know what personal development is or you're starting in investing, what are the steps that they need to take in order to create this mindset, create this community, this, you know, uh, find the right partner, right? I've got a lot of guys that are doing it on their own. They're looking for a partner, um, you know, stuff like that. Kind of just talk about that kind of, cause I know you're heavy into the personal development side. So for me, the first thing I'm, I'm actually going to pitch our youth Academy. I really think it's about education. It's an inexpensive product. It's made for young adults and for parents to teach your kids all about it, whether it's what, what skills do we need to learn? What is money, investing, insurance, all the skills you need, entrepreneurial, it's all in there. I think you need to actually decide that you're going to take control of your life. I mean, unfortunately, 5% of the people who retire, retire wealthy enough to retire. The remainder of them, whether they end up passing away before they retire or having to supplement their income or to continue to work, there's nothing wrong with that if you choose to do that. The empowering life is one of choice where, you know what, I've made it. I can continue to work or I can continue to work. I think to start out with, we should all be focusing on becoming financially free as soon as possible. If you're young and you're, you're listening to this, go out and house act. Buy a duplex, buy a triplex, get some of those expenses paid for. The second thing is I want you all to look at education as an investment. Don't look at it as an expense, right? Because most poor people will say, wow, this course costs $500. That's what it's going to cost me? No, you're investing in your education. You will always have that. Jake and I have spent, I think, probably over $300,000 in coaching and education in the last 18 months to two years. 
We've never scaled a business before. We needed to, we needed to hire scale-up coaches. We've never been these amazing public speakers. We have to become better speakers, right? We've never done marketing before. We have to learn how to do marketing. These are all things that I've invested in. And you know, if it makes you money, it costs you nothing ultimately. So I really honed in on that. That makes so much sense to me now. Whereas when I was in my 20s and 30s, all I thought about was making money and going out and spending it. I challenge you, think about ways to become financially free. Because once your bills are paid, even if you have a living cost, then you have the choice to do other things. I think the next thing, Austin, is have a seek to serve mentality. You can either go out to find a mentor, you can either pay to play, or you can seek to serve. One of two ways. I'm paying right now because I can't seek as much, but I was seeking in the beginning. I was out there helping people, whether it was underwriting deals, whether it was walking properties, whether it was teaching people how to do QuickBooks, whatever that may be, whatever your skill set is, go out there and help others and try to add value to other people's lives. And as you do that, all of a sudden people are going to see the value in you and they're going to want to give back to you. So those are my high level points. If I'd gone back to when I was 30 years old, I really wish I'd focus on really becoming financially free. And once you do that, once you pay your bills off, you know, for, right, for us right now, Jake and I were having a battle. He just paid off his personal residence. He's done. He has zero personal debt. I've got a small mortgage left on my house, $200,000. That's the only personal debt that I have. So for us, really learn the difference between personal debt and business debt. And the other thing I would say I could continue on. I love this topic. Really create a budget for yourself. And for me, when you're younger, don't have that instant gratification. If you can put off certain purchases and you can save for those purchases and not build up that personal debt because you want to have the money set aside to buy, in, to buy assets. That's what you want to do. Us as the middle class, I'm sure you're, you're uh, prone to this and you've done this before. We were always taught to save for an event. Hey, Gino, great. You know, I have six kids. Each one of them's got to have their own college savings fund. That is for the middle class, nothing wrong with that. But what about if you buy six different assets or one asset like I did? My daughter is a senior in college. She's paid for it. I've got a house right now that's getting, we're, I know 20, that first 25 unit property, we're netting six grand a month. My, my share is 2000 a month. That's enough to pay for college for each child. And I'm going to continue to hold that asset. I don't have any money saved. That asset's going to continue to appreciate the principal payments getting paid down and it's paying for my college. So that's the difference mind shift that you can have by investing in yourself, that one asset. So for me, adopting that middle-class mindset is something that we really need to shatter. And we can all do that. It's really learning how to become an investor and learning how to invest in yourself. No, I, the buying the property for college is, I think, the greatest thing. I think I heard Brandon Turner talk about that. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm, you're the perfect person. I, I haven't dropped this on a lot of people. You're the perfect person because I have a theory I'm working on. I meet these 20-year-olds and these 18-year-olds and 24-year-olds that have like 60, 100. You know, look at Dave Tupin. You know, mm -hmm. these guys that are friends of mine, they just blow me away, right? Mm -hmm. And then you meet a 35-year-old that was a doctor forever and maybe it's taken him two years to buy a property. He's still learning. I'd love for you to talk about this. I feel like their lack of knowledge and they're not knowing almost gets them in the door quicker. And then they wake up a year later and they're like, Oh my God, look at all these units. And then you have the, th the older gentleman or the older woman that has so much context around their life or mortgages and all these things. Like, have you noticed that in your, in, in your, in your education, like these, these guys just kind of take the action. Well, there's a lot, that, that's another topic for an entire podcast. I think if you just look at the immigrants that are immigrating from America, my, my family, my mom, my dad, they barely finished high school. 
but they had clarity, they worked really hard, and they reinvested, and they took control of their spending habits. They didn't have huge spending habits. They lived well within their means, and they saved, right? We're not, savers are getting punished right now, but we're not talking about saving money for a rainy day. We're talking about saving money to buy assets, and that's what my parents did. Um, I know a lot of Italian immigrants that, like I said, can barely read and write, but they own thousands and thousands of, of apartment units. They own very successful businesses. I think that's the difference between the, the, you know, the average investor here and someone who's really hungry. They were really hungry and they didn't have any preconceived limiting beliefs of, oh, well, you know, you can't really do it in America. People are coming here because there's still so much opportunity in this country. And I think when you see the successful doctor or the successful lawyer and, and they're not successful, it's because number one, they have no plan right? They have no budget. And number two, they may be fearful that getting into it, they may make a mistake. It's the fixed mindset again. I'm really smart. I don't know anything about multifamily, so this thing must not be for me. Whereas dumbass Gino, I got nothing to lose. I'm screwed here at the restaurant. If I don't figure something else out, what am I going to do for the next 20 years? I need to do something. So I had the motivation. I was moving away from pain. Robbins talks about it. Move away from pain or move towards pleasure. That doctor may not be moving away from pain. He may be just comfortable enough that he doesn't need a change in his life. But you know what? Guess what? Let's say the doctor loses his finger or during the pandemic for three months, all of a sudden they can't operate because their only elective surgeries are not going on. Then he's got a lot of pain. Then something happens. Then a shift happens in your life. And we all need that shift to occur. Mine was the great recession of 2008. That's why I say the pandemic of 2020 may be an amazing opportunity for everyone listening on this podcast. Let's reevaluate our lives. Let's construct our lives and let's see what we can do better. If you're a doctor out there, I'm not saying you need to go and buy deals yourself, but maybe you go into a limited partnership where you find other people and you start investing in syndications and you have passive income working for you that way. You still need to learn the business. You still need to do a lot of the work, but hey, it's being proactive. And it, it's an interesting, interesting question because I think immigrants, for the most part, do very well here. They come here, mm -hmm. they work really hard, they have a plan. Their plan is real simple. Work seven days a week, save as much money, yeah. buy a house, rinse, repeat. Not, not rocket science, right? And yeah. they really control their spending habits. They have their own internal budget. And I think the other thing is that my parents, that they lacked so much in, you know, in Italy when they came here. This was like amazing, right? I don't have to grow food. I can go to the store and buy food. I mean, I don't have to wash, wash clothes by hand. I have a washing machine. I mean, these things sound really stupid right now, but a lot, a lot of parts of this other world are like these basic, simple tasks that we take for granted. Everyone says we're so busy, really. Go, go grow potatoes for eight months. And when the crops yeah. don't fail, you got nothing to eat. Those are problems, my friend. Mm -hmm. Not the problems we have. Oh, I got to go pick up my dry cleaning. Oh, you're having somebody dry clean. Oh, somebody's cutting the grass. Oh, so you're washing your car. We're busy because we think we're busy because we're on Facebook all the time. We're not constructing yeah. our life. We're wasting time. We're not making, we're not working towards our plan. We don't have a plan. That's the problem. Immigrants have a plan and the plan has been working for generations. And more importantly, you're surrounded by people that aren't pushing you because they're the ones giving excuses as well. It's not until you get around mm -hmm. guys like you Maddie A, Tippleton Walker, mm -hmm. who I work with, that they don't give you mm -hmm. a room to breathe. And you have to have that conversation where it's like, when I joined M1 and I had to put my finances on paper, mm -hmm. was like, you want to talk about yep. standing up naked, right? And, and like in front of a room of 40 people. That's right. But it was the same thing with drugs and alcohol with me. It wasn't until you bring those into the light that they don't control you anymore. 
mm-hmm. and you and you're owning them mm-hmm. and you're you're setting forth a plan, right? And so I live on this code where I think, and you can say what you want about it, it doesn't matter. It's just a saying I say. But I think goals are BS because I think goals are for somebody else. I think a lot of the times. What if you live your life on intention, right? My intention is I wake up every day. I want to be healthy. I want to support the people around me. I want to be a good boss and I want to uplift the people around me. If you're living in that world, then mm-hmm. you can't, then you can't be touched. You can't be touched because guess what? Mm-hmm. I would imagine 2020 I, messed up a lot of people's goals. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's you right. Know what I'm saying. So I, I agree. And there's a, there's a couple of things that I think the first thing, what you said with your peer group, uh, your expectations of your peer group is going to lead to your success. If your peer group expects a lot from you, then you're going to perform. If you're an M1 or you're in a go abundance, guess what? They're all high performers. You're going to have to either perform well with them or you're going to drop out. Right. And I think the second thing is I, we all have to worry about with this trap of beginning to therapy versus coaching. Therapy may be great. When someone has some serious problems, it's okay to look in the past. The problem with therapy is you keep going back. Do some, do some research on NLP, neuro linguistic programming. You keep going back. You keep reliving those memories, right? You don't want to keep doing that because that's the only picture you see in your mind. Mm-hmm. Create new pictures for yourself. Create pictures of success, success for yourself. Go into the future and let's start talking about the future pacing. Now, as far as goals go, I don't know if I would have been able to do this without goals. I think I look at goals differently. Goals are important. They are just the results. You need mm-hmm. to cre- create systems or processes to reach those goals. Let me give you an example. I'm going to buy a 100-unit property by the end of this year. Great. That's a goal. That may be an overarching, overachieving goal. But what are the processes, the systems you need to do? Well, the race to 80. I need to underwrite 80 deals before I can find one good deal. So if I'm going to do it in 52 weeks, I need to be underwriting an average of two deals a week to get to that goal of 80 to be able are you doing that? Hmm, if you're not doing that, then that goal means nothing. You need to fall in love with the system and the process to achieve the goal. And ultimately, a goal is only there for you to grow into the person that you need to become to hit that goal. Because guess what? Once you've got the 100 units, what's next? The next goal to grow into a different person. The next five income streams. Well, what do you need to do to become that person? That's all the goals are there for. They're just results, right? And they're a lagging success of, of what's going on. It may take you 18 months to hit that first goal. That's okay. But as long as you fall in love with the system and the process and continue to work and continue to enjoy it, you're going to ultimately hit your goals. Yeah. One of the greatest quotes I've heard, and I live by it, married to the process, divorced from the results. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I'm going to write that down, dude. Yeah, I'm stealing that from you, right? That's okay. And, and, and what Ed Milet said <laughs> it, Ed Milet said it, and this is what I tell my friends, 2000, 2020 version of Austin Linney doesn't stand a chance to walk through the door for 2021. Mm-hmm. And you have to be a crisis to get mm-hmm. to the next best version of yourself. And every day that mm-hmm. you step into who you are, I tell you what did it for me. The guy I was six months ago, you wouldn't have liked him. I had a version of myself. We called him Tasmanian Devil. He got in the room, but he was a little too crazy. And so what I did with my coach is we created a character. <laughs> we created a character. Who do you want to be 10 years from now? And that guy was Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. with the cigarette and the hat. And that guy was confident. He didn't search for deals. Mm-hmm. He was confident in who he was. And when I stepped into networking events as that character, I just became that person. And that guy, and that, mm-hmm. and that character that didn't serve me went away. Well, what happened was, is that new energy attracted the right type of people in my life. And that's what yes. people don't talk about mm-hmm. enough, you know? 
it's funny you say that. That's they're anchoring yourself. You're putting yourself into state. You're doing some NLP techniques, which which is really important. And I think the fact that you are, you know, you're working with your physiology. If you want to be depressed, you're not depressed. You do depressed. If you want to be happy, you do happy. How do you do happy? You stand up, shoulders back, look the camera, smile. And that smile triggers something and breathe, right? And think clearly. That'll, oh, that'll put a smile on your face right now. You'll, you'll, you'll be happier. I'm not saying if you're thoroughly depressed, it's going to work. But practice that every day because we practice depressed every day. We practice about looking for bad news all the time. And what happens? We start doing that bad news. We don't have to do that. We can actually, like you say, construct your life. Construct your life by constructing your thoughts and constructing those power, powerful, positive, empowering actions. thousand percent. When I coach people, right? And, you, and they're having a rough time, if you notice their head's always down, mm-hmm. I get them, if you look at yep. Tony Robbins yes. on stage, Tony Robbins is always up here. And here's the deal. Yep. We mm-hmm. do things, we make a joke. It's a joke between all the investors in Arizona. I dare you to get on a jet ski and be unhappy. You can't do it. And so it's, a, it's the concept in life. <laughs> you know, it's the concept in uh-huh. life. Yes. Smile, project. Uh, there was a quote yesterday I read, be so damn happy that negative people don't want to talk to you. Great. Perfect. That's amazing. Get out of my life. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And so we'll finish That's up right. here. Yeah, we'll finish up here. I want to talk because what I think is important and what I inspire to be anybody that I care about. And I think GoBundance is a great, literally just a foundation for this. All the guys, meaning you, Mattie, all the dudes that are, we never talk about real estate. And what I inspires me and what I model towards is who they are as fathers and who they are as a family man. So talk about that kind of mm-hmm. that whole life, you know, millionaire kind of style. Well, I think when you are out there and you're getting married, you just have to have proper expectations with your significant other. When, when I got married to my wife, I knew that she wanted to stay home and have a family. So that was great. If she wanted to be a career woman and not have kids, that might've been tough for me. So maybe that would have been the right choice, but I knew she wanted them. And for me, I just started having kids and I love the process. I love my children. They're, uh, they're, you know, we homeschool the kids. So they're always around. I can't get rid of them. Right. And, and I don't want to get rid of them. I make a joke that this past January, we had a boot camp, buy right boot camp in Atlanta. Um, me and my wife were married 21 years. That was the first vacation that we went on together by ourselves in 21 years without the kids. And that wasn't even a vacation. I made a joke in front. Everyone like looked at me like, what are you freaking nuts? And I'm like, yeah, because I love my kids that much. A vacation means to vacate, means to leave. Why would I leave and go away without my family, without my children? That's my mindset. That's what's worked with me. And as my kids have gotten older, I mean, to hear like a seven, my seven-year-old say, you know what? The best part of the year when I was working at the restaurant, I'd only take a week off is when I can go away on vacation with dad. So that really stuck with me. And I'm like, I am never going away without them. I mean, my daughter's 20 years old. She still goes away. We were in Knoxville for a week at a money mixer a few weeks ago for the 4th of July week. She came with me. She's a senior in college. Everyone's like, oh, when they become teenagers, they're terrible. No, they don't become terrible because if you're with them all the time, you talk to them, you have a real relationship to them, and you're not there always just telling them what to do because as they get older, they need to make their own decisions. It's unfortunate. I hate it, but I am actually raising my children to the point where they can become adults. They can leave the house and they can make their own decisions. That's difficult because I love them so much and I don't want them to go, but that's ultimately what has to happen. So how do you do that? You create that foundation. You just listen to them. We're, we're, you know, When you speak to your kids, are you yelling at them? Are you screaming at them? Would you speak to your employees like that? No, you wouldn't. So why are we speaking to our kids like that? We're, we're at a point where 
sometimes we just talk down to our kids. I think we need to create boundaries for them. And as they get older, we just make the boundaries bigger, right? A three-year-old, sometimes you don't have to tell them, put your clothes on, put your sneakers on. Just There's no reason to actually argue with them. Just do it. As they get older, maybe you have different conversations with them. But I just think as a parent, just being there and not always having to tell them what to do. Sometimes you don't have the answers. That's important. And I think, Austin, I think the last thing is, just be vulnerable with your kids. We make mistakes. And if they see that we're making mistakes, that we're human, that's okay. They're like, oh, well, dad screwed up. you know. And it's funny. We, we joke about it. But I try to be as transparent as possible because I've made a lot of mistakes with them. And I don't want them to think that I'm the all perfect and I know it all because I don't know it all. And I can actually learn a lot of stuff from my kids. So you know, when you make a mistake, hey, say you're sorry to them. They'll really appreciate that and they'll know that they'll come to you next time about it. It's not just telling them what to do. You can guide them. You can let them figure it out. You're there to help them out if they have any questions. But at the end of the day, they've got to figure it out for themselves also. No, and I I don't have kids, but I can equate because I just got divorced, but I can equate to a relationship, right? And it's, we Mm -hmm. don't say these things, right? Because we don't want to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. And what you're talking Mm -hmm. about in a relationship, meaning a business partnership, a marriage, a, a uh, mom and dad is just acknowledging mm-hmm. that this is what happened and then they'll be like okay great thanks for telling me like instead mm-hmm. of creating the story in your mind that it's this bigger thing than it has to be and that's where mm-hmm. men particularly men mess up a lot your your wife is not nagging you because you're she's nagging you because you're not communicating it really has nothing to do with that's what right. you're actually doing right It's because you're Mm -hmm, not, mm -hmm. you're not communicating because you're trying to hide something or you're not. And that's what I had to realize because I ran away from conflict because I had a lot when my parents got divorced. And what I realized is my favorite quote ever, Kyle Cease, is that he says, everybody is so concerned about what they'll lose by telling the truth because that's quantifiable. They have no idea what they might gain by telling the truth because they can't see Mm. it. Mm-hmm. And it That's wasn't great. it wasn't until I got real with what I wanted out of life that me and my ex-wife decided that this wasn't best for us 40 years down the road. And that's really mm-hmm. rough. But guess what? Both of us are beyond happy. There was no lawyers. We're both in a great place. So what was the better term? To just stay married and be miserable? No, you have to step up whether you're a parent, a business partner, and you have to say what you want. And it's not until you mm-hmm. take ownership that you won't let that, you know, let your truth be told, right? And that's what people don't mm-hmm. get. They want to keep it. And by keeping it, you're just, mm-hmm. it's just carrying the bandwidth in your mind that's going to just tear you up over and over again. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I want to tell this story because I have to tell this story. So the first ever podcast I ever heard on bigger pockets everybody knows bigger pockets please it's ridiculous uh but was was y'all and I told this to you before we got started was Jake and Gino and I was 20 years as a as a what do we call ourselves warriors <laughs> I worked in the restaurant business from 17 to 36 and it's two things that happened to me the Jake and uh that podcast was like you were like I'm in the restaurant business I got to get the f out of here as quick as possible <laughs> and that's when I was like I don't think I'm going to open a restaurant I think I'm going to get in the real estate and then I got handed rich dad poor dad at 17 so mm. I just want to personally while it's recorded thank you you didn't know that at the time that you inspired me but it really was the foundation for me even though it took a while 
to get out and, and focus on a, a, on a different vehicle. So I just wanted to say thank you. I, that interview was probably one of the first times I heard about personal development as well too. And I just, mm-hmm. I appreciated the banter because uh, Jake's a little crazy. <laughs> Jake's a little, Jake's does, <laughs> Jake calls it like he sees it. Right. And I just saw that uh-huh. great yin and yang in your relationship. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to tell you, I told you that story in Nashville too, but I just had to say it on the podcast. So what, what prompted you from doing it? You're someone who's been doing it for 20 years and that's gotta be our limiting belief where this is all I know. This is all I want to do. So that's a, no, that's a you hard have, choice. You have no idea. You get to a point and I'm not kidding when I say this and I'm not trying to boast. So this is not me being ego. I am amazing at waiting tables and bartending. Like we're talking about top one, 1%. Like I know every wine I've been to France. I've been to California. I know every whiskey that exists on the planet. I know everything while it was grown there. You're surrounded by people that don't challenge you. Mm-hmm. And you get in this comfort zone where you can't leave the money. I was making ridiculous money, but I was miserable. I missed mm-hmm. every mother's day every holiday and you're working for people that frankly are assholes that don't give a shit about you. What did it for me was this. And we don't need to talk about who it was, but I came into this job and I created a, I created a drink program that took the projected sales from $750,000 to $2.1 million. Like that's my drinks gained a million too. I asked for an $8,000 raise to get to just a decent number, not even like 50 grand. I was at 42,000 and they told me no. Wow. I was out. So Austin, let's look at it this way. Going forward, everybody, what Austin should have done was you are generating, what was the number in the beginning? Like like the 750 was the quota and we did 2.1 million. So what Austin should have said was you're doing 750 right now. If I get you to a million five, give me 10% of the profit. If I get to two five, give me an additional 10% on the front end with the expectation. Those people probably would have said, this guy's not going to get it, but you know, we'll do it anyway. So responsibility wise, Austin can look back and say, that was my mistake. You didn't know that, that that's something that Jay Abraham teaches as far as creating your value. And like you said, you didn't know to ask. A lot of us don't know to ask that question. So when, when the employer sees that, Hey, I mean, you're just working for me, you know, but on the front end, if you can set those expectations and that goes to being a partner also, what are your expectations with your partners? Jake and I, we both work like crazy. Like I said, that's the expectation. I've got to sign a document now. I've got to go to the bank and notarize it. I can't make him wait for that. That's on me to do that. So that's a really huge learning lesson where you guys, when you're creating value for somebody, don't be afraid to ask. The worst thing they can say is no, and then you move on, correct? Dude, you just you just blew my mind out of my body because I've never even, that was a year and a half ago and I've never even thought about that. That, that would have changed the whole thing because then it would have been on me to, to mm-hmm. step up. And that way you're setting the expectation to, to deliver and you're that's taking right. ownership of something. And I think that's what the problem is in the restaurant business. If I had to look at it from a whole, mm-hmm. we're just, ca- we're just cattle. Right. But if yep. you, if, but if you truly are an asset, right. Then you need to bet on yourself. And I told, uh, I, I'm sure you, you might know who he is. I'm Aaron Amusastegi. Um, when I got laid off from my private equity job in March, we always have to have the answer, right? Mm-hmm. I told myself, I said, no, no, you're going to go travel. You're going to find yourself. And then I texted Aaron and I said, Hey, I'm going to bet on myself for once in my life. 
And he goes, I guarantee you, you'll be more successful than you've ever been in your entire life. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and, and what you should have done with that job was once you documented that you created that program, you document the entire thing and you go to other restaurants, or you go to other places and that's how you monetize and that's how you scale a business. But I would not have known to do that 10 years ago, right? And that's how you create your value. And you think, but what's a measly $8,000 if you just created a million five in, in gross revenue? So a million five in gross revenue, maybe, I don't know what the profit margin on that, mm-hmm. but let's say the profit margin is- The profit margin of those drinks was 92%, brother. So, I mean, like the fact that they're so short, short-sighted, they should have said, hey, Austin, how'd you do that? And let's go around and let's teach some other people to do this because it's a scarcity mindset. You think that you have the magic secret recipe, but they could actually create a business within a business of teaching other restaurants how to do that. And wouldn't you want to increase your, 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 your drinking, your sales from seven, whatever it is, I keep messing the numbers up, of 750,000 to two, wouldn't you? Yeah, how do you teach me? Well, great. I'll teach you if you give me 5% of the profits or yeah. I'll teach you with this program. So you know, it's you amazing. Know, like you want to know why that is sure. now that you're, you're like coaching me right now. You want to know we're definitely in our own mastermind. You want to know why that is? Uh-huh. Cause I didn't value myself. That's right. Simple, simple as that. That's right. You, well, you, it's right. You didn't value yourself and you didn't think what you were doing was special. Like a lot of, well, you're a W2 employee. That was the employee mindset. You're looking for measly $8,000. You're looking for scraps when really the entrepreneur is like, I'm solving a massive problem. I'm creating a ton of value here. Can I get some of the upside? The problem is that when you're, when you're a W-2, you don't have any downside. You're getting that paycheck every every week. That's, that's how an employer looks at you is you're getting the paycheck. You have the guarantee. If this doesn't work, and they, what they could have said, you, what you could have said is if this doesn't work, you don't have to pay me anything else. But when this works, what can we look at? And then you're saying up front, and then they can't go back on it. And then when that, that's done, wow, let me move on to the next business. And let me teach the next business how to do that. And you have little little revenue streams. You have one little restaurant here, one restaurant there, all of a sudden a coaching program. That's how it's done, everybody. I love this, man. I do. Thank you so much. Dude, <laughs> I can't even deal with it right now. Uh, y'all got so many guys dead serious. If you're listening to this and you haven't been to an event, I don't even care if you love multifamily or don't. But you have to go to one of their events. You'll meet like-minded people. I, I can't tell you how many people I've met. I've got Nick on the podcast later on today. I met him at y'all's event. Evan Holiday took me to the event. I mean, there's so many people I've met from these events. Let's talk about the different businesses, how they find you, if they don't know you, and everything that they can get. Y'all got two books that are amazing books. I've read both of them. Just go to jakeandgina.com. I mean, we've got four podcasts a week. I have a multifamily zone podcast. We have the movers and shakers where our students are closing deals. The flagship wheelbarrow profits. There's a lot of information on our website, jakeandgino.com. We have the blogs there. Um, if you want to look for mentorship, just click the apply button, apply to work with us and see if you're a good fit. We have a coaching program. We've got the books out there. Like Austin said, listen, multifamily is not rocket science. You're just going to need to find mentors of people out there who are doing it. And like Austin said, the most important thing is really surrounding yourself with like-minded people. The networking is amazing. You know, you meet that one person, it will change your life completely. That's what I found out. So True story. I just want to, th- I want yeah. to thank you. I, I want to thank Go you ahead. for having me on those. Oh, enjoyable. dude, Gino, thank you so much. True story. It's so weird. And it relates to all this because I'm trying to bring it home for everybody. I went to an event to go spend the day with a mentor of mine when it took me five months to get the meeting. I flew across the country to meet with him for the day. Mm-hmm. I went to one event, one event. Now I'm working for him mm-hmm. and I'm doing business with seven people that I met at that one event on a Monday yep. 
at mm-hmm. two o'clock in the afternoon in Arizona. Seriously, true story, mm-hmm. guys. When you show up with intention and you show up with who you are, you have no idea what's available for you if you have the right mindset when you walk into the events. So and thank awesome, you so much. Once again, I'll end on this note. If it makes you money, it costs you nothing, Austin. That trip didn't cost you anything because it's made you a ton of money, right? My man, exactly. Dude, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it so much, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Austin. Take care, everybody. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.